Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, how are you doing? I hope you've had the most wonderful week. I've had a really good week. Um, apart from the fact, no, I'm super grateful actually. My bathrooms are finally being renovated in my house, which I'm so excited about. I've picked all these beautiful tiles. We're going kind of Hampton style, but I dream of the day it's finished because at the moment there's a lot of dust. I'm doing a lot of vacuuming. Anyway, I hope you've been having a wonderful, wonderful week. It is so great to be here with you. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate every single one of you. Um, Today, I want to talk about something that is a massive question for all of us. Um, I think sometimes people put this question in the category of, oh, it's only relevant to younger people. But I think this is a question that um, is applicable to all of us. Um, no matter what age that we're at. And I want to unpack it today and bring a little bit of demystifying to this whole thought around how do I know what I should be doing with my life? And whatever it is I'm doing now, how do I know that's the right thing that I should be doing with my life? Um, You know, is there an actual plan from God? The Bible talks about that God plans our way and guides our steps. And how do I work out what that plan is? What's that meant to look like? How am I meant to know, you know, did God put me on this earth to be a teacher, to work in finances, to be a preacher? How how do we work all of this out? Um, And like I said, this is not today just for young people. Uh, This is for all ages, although I do see a lot of young people coming to the end of their schooling and they've got no idea what to do with their life. You know, particularly in year 12, year 11, year 12, people, you know, uh, young people feel a lot of pressure because they're constantly asked, oh, what are you going to do? What do you want to be? And it's this big question that we're like, hello, like I was just in primary school yesterday and all of a sudden I meant to make this one decision at the end of year 12 about what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And I see a lot of young people who are really lacking direction, uh, who are purposeless, not because of the lack of choice, but the complete opposite, because there are thousands of choices before them. Our problem these days is not lack of opportunity, but too much opportunity. And that can be just as much of a problem because we get what I call decision fatigue, where we're just overwhelmed with all of our options. Now, often what happens at the end of year 12, young people take a gap year and that ends up turning into two years, three years of them just working before they know it. They're 22, 23, 24 and they still don't know what they want to do. They still have no direction. Or this is the other thing I've seen. Young people go to university to do a course. They do it for six months or 12 months only to discover, I don't like this. This isn't me. And then they change their mind sometimes two or three times. Meanwhile, racking up tens of thousands of dollars of of a hex debt. But this question doesn't just affect those leaving school. I talk to adults of all ages who face this question. 
How do I know what I'm meant to be doing with my life? For all sorts of reasons. Uh, it could be that they're unhappy in their current job. So they're questioning, well, what else can I do? What else could should I do? Or maybe they lose their job uh, that they've had for years and years and they're faced, and maybe that's you right now, and you're faced with the prospect of, well, what do I do now? Um, I had a friend a few years ago who lost her husband, uh, and she was quite young when she lost her husband. He died. And her role in life, her purpose had been tied up with him. So she was forced to face this question. Well, what do I do now? Um, I've had friends whose spouses have left them later in life when their kids have grown up and suddenly life just falls apart and they have to find a new sense of purpose alone. So what I want to do today is demystify this question of how do I know what to do with my life? And I think that we tend to make it more complicated than it needs to be. You know, like, oh, God must have this exact plan for us like this puzzle. And our task is to put the puzzle together and he's not going to give us any clues. It can feel like that sometimes, right? I think sometimes we even over-spiritualize this. We tend to make this whole finding what to do with our life just you know, way more complicated and and we over-spiritualize. And I want to just kind of um, pull that apart today and I guess give some really um, practical steps. I'm going to give you in a moment seven practical steps that you can take to try and help you I guess feel less anxious if you're someone that's struggling right now with trying to find out what it is that you've been put on planet earth to do. But I think the first thing that we need to do before we look at anything practical is actually to answer one question and to be able to answer it honestly. And I think even if you feel like you're in the middle of your life purpose right now, I still think this one question is a really good thing for us to uh, to ask ourselves and to reevaluate where we're at in life. And the the question is really simple. It's just, what do I really want? What is it that I'm really wanting? So what are my key motives in my life? What what is it that I value the most? Because if we can answer that question about what is it that I really want, that I really value, what what are my real motives here? If we can answer that, then that will help us determine the decisions that we make. So let me give you a few examples. You might be really motivated to build a career. So you might think, well, that's my motivation. That's what I really want. I really want to build a career. Or maybe you're like, I really want to make a difference in society. I want to help people. Or maybe you are really motivated to build wealth. Or maybe you want to make a name for yourself. Or maybe your life has taken a turn in the last few months and your purpose right now, your what you want, what you value is that you are trying to find new purpose. So let me just share with you um, what my answer to this question is. I think all of those things that I said before are really good things to aim for. But for me, what I want most of all is that whatever I do, I want it to be done unto God. That literally, that's it. Full stop. That's what I want. I want everything I do to somehow glorify God. I want everything I do 
to be done as if I'm doing it for the Lord and not for any other person. And of course, for those of you that are um, that are Christians, that are Bible readers, I know a lot of you are not, but for those of you that are, uh, you know, there's a scripture in Colossians 3 verse 23 that says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not people. But notice that beginning part, whatever you do. It kind of seems like God's not too worried maybe about what we do. It's not about what we do. It's about our heart motive because this scripture says, whatever you do, whatever you choose to do, work at that with all your heart as though for the Lord. Another version says, work from the soul. I love that. Work from the soul, no matter what you do. So the reason I think that this is one of the most important things is because I feel like if everything that you do, no matter what it is, you do unto the Lord, you work from your soul, that in itself brings contentment and purpose to anything that you do. So when I was a full-time stay-at-home mom, I did that with all my heart. To me, it was like God was asking me, this is what I want you to do. This is your purpose right now. Uh, When I started the academy, I did that with all of my heart. That was my purpose. I did it unto the Lord. And so maybe for you, you've never asked yourself that question before. What is it that I really want? And um, I really hope that that's maybe encouraged you, just that one question itself that you can go, you know what? What I want most of all is just whatever I do that I'm serving God, whatever I do, I'm doing it as as unto God. So what that means for me is that God is the center of my life. And that just brings so much purpose to everything that I do. So rather than me trying to find this elusive thing like, oh, is God in this? Is God in that? Is God in my teaching? Is God in me being a mom? Is God in me um, having this promotion? Or is God in me leaving my job and, and going and applying for a new job? Start seeing it the other way around, that it doesn't matter what you choose to do. God is already there. He's already in it because it's about how we approach it, not what we do. So let me give you seven practical things just to help you demystify and uncomplicate figuring out your purpose. And they might seem really simple, but um, these are the things that I've lived by. These are the these are the things that I've taught my kids because you think my kids are at that age, particularly my um, my older two, where they've you know had to come out of school and they've had to work out why am I why am I even here? What am I going to do? So my first bit of advice is this: number one, so easy, just do something. Let me repeat that again: just do something. It sounds hilariously simple, but I'm telling you, this is the most powerful thing that you can do because doing something is always better than doing nothing. Anything that you do is never wasted. It will always give you skills that you can use later down the track. And no matter what you do, it's going to be teaching you character. It might lead to a new open door down the track. Plus, and this is something I always say to my kids, it puts something in God's hands for him to work with. If you just do nothing, then you're putting nothing in God's hands for him to work with. There is something to be said for people who just do something. They're usually people with incredible work ethic, by the way. Give me someone with good work ethic one uh, any day of the week over someone with talent, but who is lazy. So it's also incredible because it gives you something to get up to every day, which is powerful. And that is good for us. So don't despise 
anything, even if it feels small or it's not what you want to be doing, don't despise it. I was talking to a girl from our church last weekend and she's almost finished a bachelor and she's just finishing at the end of this year, she will have been finished. No, the end of this semester, sorry. And she started applying for jobs and she said to me, you know what, Renee, I'm even applying just for the basic jobs that I'm overqualified for, but I'm doing it in the companies that I'd love to work for one day. And I just, you know, she almost was apologizing to me like, oh, you know, I know these jobs might seem basic. And I'm like, no, I'm actually so proud of you because this girl is willing to do absolutely anything. And I said to her, no, the fact that you're just applying for jobs rather than sitting there and waiting for the perfect job to come along that you think fits, you know, the bill for the bachelor that you studied. So, um, so when I met Cameron, for example, he was he was actually washing trucks for his dad. His dad had a truck business and he was washing trucks. And here was me. I'd, I had a degree. I'd already been full-time teaching for a couple of years. But you know, one of the first things I admired about Cameron was actually his work ethic. The fact that he probably actually did struggle with what he wanted to do with his life. I remember he talked about he wanted to be a cop and then he wanted to be a chef and he went back and did year 12 twice to try and increase his scores and he kind of struggled for a bit. But you know what he didn't do? He never did nothing. He always did something and I could see the hand of God on his life. And I just loved that he wasn't waiting around for some ministry opportunity. He worked really hard. And then after that, he worked for Holden's, the the car manufacturers putting radiators in cars. And do you know what? Do you know how many people he saw saved in those years? He did that as though he was doing it for the Lord. He worked at Holden's putting radiators in cars as if God himself rocked up in his bedroom and said, thus saith the Lord Cameron, go and work at Holden's for me. He literally treated it like God had put him there and he opened up his spiritual eyes and he's like, God, I'm going to put these radiators in as if I'm doing it unto the Lord. He did a good job. He worked hard and then he kept his eyes open and he started witnessing to people. So, Just do something and remember that scripture about putting God in the middle of it and, and, and saying to yourself and being determined that whatever I do, even if, even if what I'm doing bores me, I'm going to do it as if the Lord himself has asked me. All right. Number two, remember nothing, nothing is ever wasted. Now, I know I said that a moment ago, but I want to make a a point of it again. You know, I worked at a jewelry store years ago when I was 14. That was my first job. It was kind of like a LaVisa or a um, Colette, kind of like that store. And, um, and I worked at that when I was 14. And then that got me job, my job at Maya, where I worked in the menswear department, which saw me through university. Um, you know, and I look back and I, and I think I started gathering skills from the age of 14. I remember helping out at kids church from the age of 14 and I loved it. And down the track, I was able to put that on my resume and that helped me get a job. Plus it helped me down the track when I was an actual teacher. So no matter what I did, looking back, it gave me new skills that I could use later on. I see people hating what they do, trying to get to that next thing that's, you know, more important in their eyes. But I want you to shift the way that you see life. You know, for all three of our kids, we made them get jobs as soon as they were of of the right age. They all serve in church. Um, 
I take a look at Liam, for example. He found out that he was a really good photographer because he started taking photos at church. He picked up a camera. He was kind of interested in it, started taking photos. And to this day, even though his job um, is a graphic designer for surf, dive and ski, because he can take photos, which he learned back when he was serving at church and volunteering, which, by the way, he still does, He actually now gets the opportunity to create content for this global company by doing their photo shoots. And he's all of 18 years of age. So never see anything that you do as wasted. God will always grab those skills and use those down the track. All right. Number three, be the hardest worker in the room. Now you might say, well, what has that got to do with knowing what to do with your life? Let me tell you, it's actually got a lot to do with it. Do you know why? Because time and time again, I have watched doors open and opportunities come to those that hustle the hardest. People who work hard, in my opinion, find what they really want to do much quicker because it's while you're being busy, being the hardest worker, that things Um, that things happen, that opportunities, uh, you know, all sorts of exciting opportunities can open up for you. And why wouldn't it? We've just employed uh, a girl at our church who is such an incredible worker, no matter what she puts her hand to. And she is literally wanted wherever she goes. She gets opportunity. People, you know, employers jump on her because She's such a hard worker. So being a hard worker is actually a huge part of finding what it is you want to do with your life because it's going to open up a lot of opportunities and that means more choices for you. All right, number four, you do your part and have faith that God will do his. And again, if you're listening and you're like, I don't have the faith that you have, Renee, guess what? I believe that you are not here by accident. I believe that you are put on earth for a purpose and that if you do do your part, whether you realize it or not, God loves you. God's got a plan for you and God is directing your footsteps and your path. So while you're doing just doing something, while you're working hard, while you're hustling and not letting any opportunity going to waste, you can be assured that God is going before you. You know, there's this incredible scripture that I love, and it's Proverbs 16, verse 9, and it says, we make our own plans, but the Lord decides where we will go. I love that. We will make our own plans, but the Lord decides where we will go. So to me, that means if I get busy just doing something, so I'm making my plans, it feels like I've got my own plans in the natural, that while I'm outworking my plans and I'm upskilling and I'm working hard and I'm just doing something, well, that tells me that God's plans will actually outwork in my life. So I had no plans, for example, to pioneer a national leadership college ever. There's, um, you know, there's never been anything like what we've built in the last couple of years with the Youth Alive Academy that's um, now gone nationally and is every location around Australia. But it totally makes sense because while I was busy teaching for 20 years, faithfully in the classroom, I understand education. I look back and I'm like, 
you know what? God has beautifully brought together my skill set and used it to build a, a national leadership academy that specifically trains young people. So while I was making my own plans, God took them and used them for his purposes. So I think that's a really powerful thought that go ahead and make your plans and trust that God will guide your way. Number five, this is a really kind of different one. Number five, be an interesting person. Now, I know that sounds weird, but I heard, you guys know I love Dennis Prager and the Fireside Chat, and I actually heard him talking about this on his podcast uh, maybe a few months ago, and I actually couldn't agree more. You know, sometimes we just get really caught up in, uh, you know, what are we meant to be doing with our life? And again, the Bible talks about in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. God actually wants us to really enjoy our life. The purpose, one of the purposes of your life is simply to enjoy it. And um, when Dennis talked about being an interesting person, I actually sat there and I took notes. I thought that is so true. He talked about how much better life is when you're an interesting person. I've got a close family member who is the complete opposite of this. When I get together with this person, they never have anything to talk about except to whine and whinge. They've never found their passion in life and they've literally spent their whole life telling me that. I this person has been telling me for decades, I don't know what to do with my life. And I'm kind of like, well, now that you're getting much older, it's kind of maybe a little bit late. Um, they don't know much about anything. They're really difficult, really hard to talk to and hard to be around. You probably know people like that. And then on the other hand, there's other people that are so interesting. They're fascinating people to talk to. So try different things. Learn up on things that interest you. Learn a new skill. Become an expert in something. Being interesting actually makes life fun and full of purpose. So you guys might have picked up by now. I'm a little bit obsessed with um, having a dog and I'm... Um, I'm going to get a new puppy soon. I will tell you when, when it's on its way, but not quite yet. But I am reading up on how to keep dogs healthy. So my latest read is this beautiful book called Forever Dog. It's honestly, if you've got a dog, it's incredible. Go get the book. But I'm planning and I'm prepping and I'm looking at all the different training programs. So it's just, it's a hobby of mine, but I find it really fascinating um, years ago, I crocheted a big family blanket, um, for my family. I've planted vegetables. Um, I've learned up on essential oils. I do a bit of a reading club with my mother-in-law. We've got, she keeps all the books at her house and we do swaps and chat about them. So the reason I'm saying be an interesting person is because while you're in the middle of living this life well, that you've been given to live life to the full, that is often when where we find our purpose. So be interesting. Don't be so caught up on, got to find what it is I've been put on the earth to do. Enjoy your life and explore and learn. And often that is how you will end up stumbling across the thing that you go, oh, this is what I've been put on the planet for. Okay. Number six, you're going to love this one because it's going to take all the pressure off of you. It is actually okay if you can't figure out the future. Just take a deep breath right there. Is that not relieving? It is actually okay. If you're in a season right now, it is okay not to know. I know when I was um, younger coming out of 
school, in high school, um, I really didn't have plans way down the track. Like I went to uni, so I I knew I was going to be a teacher, but I never really knew much beyond that. But I had friends who were so set on what they were going to do and be. And I remember they would talk about it and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I used to feel bad because I'd think, oh, oh, wow, there must be something wrong with me because they're like so sure of themselves. But guess what? In hindsight, 20 years down the track, they actually never did any of it. They were just being big talkers. So don't be intimidated by people that are, you know, so set and so determined. And they might not all be big talkers. Some of them might actually achieve it, but it's okay if you don't know. I never really knew, except I really wanted to serve God. I wanted to help people and I wanted to be a mum. That's pretty much all that I was sure of. And when I left year 12, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So you know what I did on my year 12 form? I put down five preferences of things that I thought I might be interested in. And I literally prayed over it. I was like, there you go, God. I have no idea what you want me to do with my life, but there you go. There's the five things I might be interested in. And guess which preference I got? I got my last one. (laughs) And I remember being disappointed at the time. But I also remember going, well, you know what, God? I prayed over this. I love you. I trust you. And that was teaching. And of course, in hindsight, it might have been my last preference, but it was God's plan A. So while I was sitting there making that that scripture again, I was making my plans. I put down my five preferences. God had his way. Best thing ever in my life. Greatest skill that I've used all my life. My teachings come in handy with everything. Preaching, running a church, running a national college, being a mum, helping with Run Youth Alive, all of it. Um, and then I remember when I moved here to Queensland and nobody knew who I was. They didn't know that back in Adelaide that I helped Cameron build the youth ministry. They didn't know that I preached in our church. Um, they didn't know any of that. And if I was not with Cameron, they didn't even know who I was. And I was like, okay, right. Nothing like a bit of humility. I actually didn't mind that so much, but I remember just feeling like all of my purpose again had gone. Here I am full-time mum, a husband that then started traveling, people who didn't even know who I was if I walked in the room, unless Cameron was with me. And then I just, I remember really struggling and thinking, what am I meant to do with my life now? And so again, what did I do? I thought to myself, well, what am I interested in? And I've always loved writing. Ever since I was little, I always wanted to be a writer. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to study writing. And so I did. And I wrote my first book. um, And then I've written a few since then. And actually, we've got a brand new one, guys, coming out soon. But I don't want to do spoiler alert, but I'll let you know about that soon. But that's become a big part of my life as well. So, you know, in in a time where I didn't know what to do, um, I, you know, again, I came up with this idea and God seemed to just breathe on it. And so, yeah, I think that's where sometimes we over-spiritualize. And I just want you to relax and it's okay if you don't know five years, 10 years, one year down the track. Just do what's in front of you right now. Do what interests you right now. Okay. And number seven, what, let me ask you this question. What have you always thought you would do with your life? People don't realize that our childhood can often hold a key to help guide us with what we're called to do. Or 
maybe that, you know, the key and the calling might already actually be deep down inside of you. So I want you to think back to what did you love doing as a child? What did you think that you would do as a child? Because I know time and time again from talking to people that the thing that they most love doing as an adult, they actually were doing or were interested in or used to think about when they were a child. So when I was a child, if someone asked me what I wanted to be, I would always say, I want to be a famous author, not, not just an author, a famous author. I wrote my first book when I was nine. I remember I had it edited by one of my mum's best friends. And I even remember sending it to publishers. And you know what? Bless those publishers. They even would write letters back to me, always rejecting my script, of course. But I remember my whole world would light on fire if I saw a letter come back from a publisher, I would almost cry happy tears. Even if they were, even though they were rejecting it, they did it so nicely. The fact that a publisher wrote back to me, oh my days, I just was like the happiest girl in the world. So I remember entering poetry competitions as a child. I won a watch from Toblerone. Yes, Toblerone, the chocolate, because I entered a poem and got, I don't know what, I don't know. There was probably a hundred prizes, but I remember just thinking, oh, my writing won me a watch. Oh my gosh. Um, So for me, it's no wonder that I ended up studying writing, writing books, reading and coffee, totally my happy place. Like if I could choose to do anything in the world, it would be to buy a beautiful little white wooden house and have a, a writing nook with a nice view and good coffee, and I would write to my heart's content. That's my happy place. So, um, but other things I used to do as a child, I look back, I used to sit all my teddies and all my dolls around me, and then I would sit there and pretend to be a teacher and I would read to them. So, again, no kind of um, mistake that I ended up a teacher. The other thing I used to do, I spent hours and hours mothering my dolls. My sister, she was the complete opposite. My mum used to always call her a bit of a tomboy. She would be out riding her bike, climbing trees, out in the garden. Me, I would literally bath my doll, wash its hair. I had to have a doll with hair, dress it, or put a nappy on it, feed it a bottle, put it to bed, wait for about 10 minutes. It'd be wake up time. And then I'd start the process all over again. So that is hilarious. And the other thing I loved as a kid was my favorite thing was a pram. And so I used to always take my dolls for a a walk in, um, in their pram when my mum would go for a walk. It like, you, you give me a book, I didn't drink coffee as a kid. That's the only one I didn't do, but give me a book, give me a doll. Let me, let me teach. They were all the things that I loved as a kid. And they're all the things that I still love now. So that's your final task that I'm going to leave you with today, guys. Um, if you are struggling to know what to do, have, don't stress. Okay. That's the first thing. Don't stress. Secondly, just, just do something, just whatever you're doing, keep it that, but think about what it, what used to float your boat as a kid. What did you love doing? And often there is a key in that. So there you are. And the other thing too, just let me finish with this. If you are perhaps, um, you know, older and you have found that you're having to repurpose your life for whatever reason, maybe you've lost a job or, 
um, you know, like my friend, her spouse died or you've gone through a divorce. Um, you find yourself a single mom. Um, it, it could be for a million different reasons that you, you know, maybe you've had a job and you, it's just not fulfilling you and you're struggling with this question. All of these things are so applicable to you as well. And I want you to take heart and I want you to not worry and I want you to know it's okay not to know. But I think if you go back and maybe write down those seven things and just work at those things. And then, of course, for those of you that have the same faith that I do, you can pray over that. Um, I did that with all of my kids. Um, Oh, one other thing that I did with my kids, by the way, was I used to go to those university days with them. And you can do this as an adult. In fact, funny story. I remember we took Georgia to one of those university days where you, um, they do those expos where all the unis are in one big hall and you walk around and you can look at all your different options. And Cameron's never been an, a, like a studier ever, ever. He doesn't even like going to those things. And then I'm like, where's dad? Where's dad gone? Where's We've lost him. And he was back he was so interested in this MBA course, M, not NBA, not basketball, MBA, Masters of Business. And he started getting really motivated at the thought of studying. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'll probably end up doing your assignments instead of you. Maybe not. But um, it's funny how motivating that could be. And what we used to do was collect all those university magazines. And then I would give my kids highlighters and I'd say, go through them and highlight the things that you think sound really interesting to you. Particularly in those university books, they have a section where they talk about the job outcomes, the job opportunities, and they explain um, that that's a really good section. And so for Georgia, it very easily led, we could see that for her, it would either, she'd either land, it was always to do with helping people. Um, And so she landed down the social work line and she's doing honors of social work. Liam, when I was going through the books, (laughs) this was funny, literally hardly anything was highlighted. I was like, okay, I don't think university is for him, but that exercise helped us to ascertain that. And then my third one, Ashton, he is completely different to those two. Again, Georgia, I really had to guide and help her. The highlighter thing really helped Ashton, Liam. It was like, okay, yeah, you don't really want to go to uni. Lee Ashton gets so motivated by so many things. He will literally have three quarters of the book highlighted. I mean, we laugh. We're like, buddy, you would probably love being a journalist. You'd probably do really well at being a lawyer, but then you probably would make a great writer. You'd make a great film director. You'd make a great videographer. He literally could do anything and he'd be interested in it. So that's going to be interesting helping to, he's one of these kids that's got too many options and helping him find that pathway. So there you go. Guys, I hope you found that helpful. If you've got a person in your life who is struggling with knowing what to do, why don't you share this episode with them? And while you're at it, like I said, we're back on Spotify, which is great. Please um, do do a five-star rating. Five stars the best. Um, And the same on Apple um, because that super duper helps because as you know, more and more people are finding the podcast, which is great. And the listenership is going up all the time. I appreciate you guys so much. One of my favorite parts of my week is actually being with you guys. So I hope you have a wonderful week and why don't you come back and, um, I will be with you again on Friday for parenthood Friday until then have a great week guys. Bye.